the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. 34-13 winners over Washington in the college football playoff national championship. The Wolverines claim their first national championship as a program since 1997. First outright national championship since, who's got it? 1948. 1948, since the Korean War. Congratulations. Korean War. Is that how we say that? Korean? I Listen, there are a lot of different levels to get to, and we appreciate everybody for hanging out with us. It was a dis- – how about this? First surface level, most broad statement I can make. Curious to hear what you think. It was a disjointed national championship game. It was the Rose Bowl yes. all over again. It was like starts and stops, fits and starts. You, you thought Michigan was dominating. Then they did everything they could to let Washington back into the game. You're watching a contest with your eyes that seems to be incredibly favored one way, but the scoreboard says something else. You think that you're going to get that one play, and then there's like a holding penalty here. You know, There's an interception there, and just nothing like uncharacteristic. Uh, how about this? 
Do you want to uh, do you want to celebrate Michigan? Hey, Tom, you had to live blog this. I'll let you get because I think we should celebrate Michigan. I think we should acknowledge uh, that the Washington's performance did not match what we had seen from Washington in the Sugar Bowl or a lot of the year, especially in some of its biggest games of the season. Um, and you know, credit and blame will go around for that. But to to you, Tom, what what were some of the big pieces? Where do you want to start pulling this apart? Um. I'll make the same joke I made before the show. Michigan's defense, once again, getting empty calories against a Big Ten offense, just completely shutting them down. But no, it's that Michigan's defense won the football game. That's really what it comes down to. There was all the questions about Michigan hasn't seen an offense like this all year long. And as we talked about, they built this defense to stop Ohio State. It's not like they haven't seen it. It's not like they don't know how to deal with it. And as we also talked about, you know, this isn't the first time Washington's offense had a bad game. They had bad games against Arizona State. They had a bad game against Oregon State. They had a bad game against Washington State. That was the Washington offense that showed up. Michael Penix was brilliant last week against Texas. Should he have won the Heisman? Should we wait until after the playoff to do the Heisman voting? He had a great game. But the thing with Michael Penix is, like all quarterbacks, if you pressure him and you speed him up, he is not going to look nearly as good. And today, Michigan sped him up. He had nowhere to step up in the pocket. So instead, you know, the one thing when it comes to evaluating him as a draft prospect, the one thing I've talked about is they talk about his quick release, but there's also the thing where he does the shoulder tilt to, to throw. He didn't have time to do his shoulder tilt. And when he doesn't do his shoulder tilt, what happens? He overthrows his target. A lot of like a lot a lot of times he was missing his receivers high. Uh, Twenty seven for fifty one passing, fifty three percent completion percentage, one touchdown to two interceptions. And yes, Tom, I agree with you. That was that seemed to be a frequent miss for him tonight. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there were he missed Roma Dunze on a touchdown on the first drive. High. He missed Roma Dunze on that one. Was it a third down or a fourth down where Dunze cooked Johnson with the double move, split the safety, and was wide open down the sideline? He overthrew him and missed him to the right. There was the other sideline play on the fourth down where he had him, but he just kind of threw it too far to the outside, and the Dunze nearly caught it with one hand and pulled it in. They were just bad throws, and that's really what ended up costing Washington because the fact of the matter is, like, Michigan should have won that game. They ended up, they did end up winning the game by 21, but Michigan should have won that game by like 40. Like the way this thing was going in the first quarter, it didn't seem like Washington had a shot in hell, but they were still in the game. Michigan just decided, eh, why run the ball? Let's just see if we can throw for fun for like two and a half quarters. And they couldn't. And then they finally got it going again. But it's just if Michael Penix played well, or at least average Michael Penix tonight, Washington's your national champion, but he didn't. Mm. I think he didn't in part because Michigan saw what Penix did to Texas and in some ways was like, hey, if you can make the really high difficulty throws again, if jump balls against our DBs, not Texas DBs, are truly 70-30 in your favor, then we'll tip our cap. But we are going to make you make the difficult throws. I thought Michigan did several things well tonight. Uh, first of all, they did get better edge pressure uh, than Texas did, right? Penix did not step up in the pocket. He oftentimes did not have space, as Tom alluded to. He's also not a guy that likes to step up in the pocket real well. He's a guy who actually drifts and somehow completes balls while drifting. It's been sort of one of the, the criticisms uh, of him by some of these NFL scouts. Like That's that's not going to work in the NFL. You can't just drift back 
and to Tom's point with the shoulder tilt. I thought Michigan did a nice job. They did not play a lot of press, but they played a little bit kind of like off-catch coverage, and then they really aggressively tackled the Washington screens that Washington mm-hmm. uses to get ahead of the chains. And so they, they kept Washington uh, in longer down and distance quite often tonight, and they Washington rarely got them out of their 2D look. Michigan was fairly confident that they were going to be able to stop uh, the Washington run game with a lighter box, and they were correct in that guess. And that was a, kind of the key. Like, Washington never really hit the explosive play. I think you had the 44-yarder to Adunze, but other than that, right, there wasn't much. Uh, and so I thought it was a nice plan of baiting Washington into throwing some of the screens, anticipating that the, the, the look you're giving Washington will you know, precipitate that uh, pass being thrown, coming up and being physical and tackling them. Uh, I thought Michigan was a, a much better tackling football team tonight, and some of the explosive plays that Michigan hit were a direct result of Washington's continued poor tackling. They were one of the worst graded tackling teams in the country by PFF, like not just in the playoff, but like mm-hmm. they were, I think, outside the top 100 in tackle grade. So Michigan did a great job of exposing the weaknesses of this Washington team and challenging Washington to continue to execute the really difficult stuff under a little bit more pressure. And I thought tonight, as opposed to against Texas, Penix's eyes came down. Against Texas, he was just on like some absolute matrix stuff. (laughs) But like still keeping the eyes up, dodging everybody in the pocket and throwing just absolute seeds. Tonight, the eyes came down some. And they also challenged him to throw the ball to the middle of the field where his numbers have really uh, lagged both in terms of rating when he does do it, but also his his choices do not typically go to the middle of the field. He doesn't seem to have great comfort operating between the hashes. And um, Michigan sort of dared him to do so at times. They played a lot of split safety coverage, and uh, he just – he was not uh, – he wasn't as great, you know, as he was against Texas. And they needed him to be not only just good, I think they needed him to be great. And, and to his credit, he, he again did it. He did the thing where, like, last week in the Sugar Bowl, Texas got – tons of pressures on him and he avoided sex he did that again tonight like he avoided being sacked it's just he was also making bad throws while he was doing it like he wasn't just staying in the pocket and keeping aggressive and staying downfield he was avoiding the sex by just chucking the ball as a prayer but like that was the thing i mentioned it last week when i was breaking down the texas game against him i said this joe moore award-winning offensive line they have great tackles and i really like their center their guards are average and that was again on display tonight. Their guards are average, and Mason Graham physically, yeah, yeah. like they, they communicate well, but they're not. Yeah, they were agreed. just overpowered time and time again in this game, and it, that was very much evident from the start. Three and a half quarters of the national championship before Washington had its first and only play of more than twenty yards. Uh, to back up what you just said, Bud, um, you know. Stat broadcast logs every single play. So it's like the play count isn't going to line up your scrimmage plays, but that was play number 184 in this national championship game with a 44-yard completion to Roma Dunze. After that, you'd had 16 uh, to Adunze. You'd had 15 to Jalen Polk. You had 15 uh, to Dylan Johnson. That was a little bit of a catch and run, but nothing. I mean, just no explosive plays. And like... That was, it was so interesting that we have this uh, after this morning when I said, who are the rock star defensive coordinators right now? Because I do remember a time when yeah. 
you know, Clemson made Brent Venables one of the highest paid defensive coordinators. We're having this conversation in light of uh, Baker getting hired at LSU. And, you know, we said on the show, the cover three tailgate. Also, I saw later had filled in. They said, like, well, what about Jesse Minner? Like yeah. that, that was a group that, to your point, they wrapped up. They kept everything in front of them. And they won the game. Michigan's defense, to me, I'm guessing Blake Corum because he finished with a whole bunch of yards. Let's see. What was the Corum total right now? Have we seen MVP get awarded? Two touchdowns? He had one, 134 and two. That'll get you and the MVP. 21 attempts. So if you went under on attempts, you still won. Yeah, yeah. Under 21 and a half. Freaking 59 yarder. I think we had a good prop show. I don't know. Um, I can't remember what was. Well, I can't remember what I got the longest pegs completion under. Was it 43 and a half? Because I feel like it was 43 and a half. And well, of course, cast, it was 44. Right. So we cashed Donovan Edwards over. We cashed West over over. Um, McCarthy I, rush yards over. McCarthy mm-hmm. rush yards over. I dropped Donovan Edwards first touchdown score plus 1300 on CBS Sports HQ. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, you know, or. Yeah, it's, 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 I, saw, I saw this great comment earlier from the Cover 3 tailgate. Um, uh, our guy, uh, Mohill93, says, I had the Chip Patterson special. Sprayed the board, didn't win much, but I had fun. Tipped the dealer and got out of here. That's my guy right there. Or gal. Not sure which one. Can't tell by your avatar. But either way, um, that, was, that's, that was a good way to go about it here on the final game of the, co- of the 2023 college football season. Um, lot. What do we make of JJ McCarthy's performance in this game? But um, he's just kind of slow to not. He's slow to read defenses. I, I feel like like he's just not delivering the ball on time. There's a play in the third quarter uh, where they're going. You know, kind of it, it, the camera angle is behind McCarthy, and he's throwing the drag to I think Wilson. And I'm like, man, that's an on-target ball, and Wilson should catch that ball. But Wilson's – I think it's Wilson, right? He's clearly hearing footsteps because he's been open for about four or five steps now. And it's like, come on, man, get through, the, get through your, your reads. Like, let's get the ball out. That thing has been open for a long time now. If, it, if, you, get, if you hit it on time, it, it's probably going to – like he has time to actually catch the ball and turn up field. Instead, he, he, he dropped it, uh, which was a, it was a good throw. I just felt like – Michigan would, would scheme stuff, and he just wouldn't hit it on time. And that has been kind of a, a different thing than what happened against Bama. Bama, I thought he saw it and just was erratic at times with some of the throw stuff. Uh, but he didn't commit the critical pe- critical turnovers in the ballgame, which was helpful. Uh, I was, I'm was i here at convention, and I, I was watching the game with, with some coaches. And their sentiment was like, Michigan should be blowing them out. Michigan's definitely moving them off the line of scrimmage. Washington's doing a great job in terms of like their run-throughs and some of their run blitzes and, and their, their adjustments to after they had played it for about the first 10 minutes. Like, okay, we have to just send numbers because Michigan is moving our, our big people with their big people. Um, and that Michigan had multiple chances to plunge the dagger or twist the knife, and they just didn't. And mm-hmm. I was talking to Coach, and he's like, you know what? If you got points for crossing the 30, this thing would already be over, but it's not. And there was that kind of that feeling like, okay, Michigan's a better team here. Michigan should be winning by more. Michigan feels like they're physically in control. 
but the scoreboard doesn't measure physically control. It measures actual points scored. And you know, Washington had that drive before the halves. Okay, like Michigan, you're going to screw it. And even kind of into the fourth for a minute, um, it was a little bit closer because Michigan, I don't know if they, uh, they I don't know, I don't know if this is the best called game uh, by Michigan either, but I thought McCarthy was, yeah, I, I just yeah, thought no, McCarthy agree. was a little bit slow to hit stuff. It was, it was the same, like I said, it was the Rose Bowl all over again. They had stuff working. They completely got away from it for reasons unknown for two and a half quarters. Like, I didn't know. I tweeted it, and I even mentioned on HQ. It felt like they were trying to prove a point with J.J. McCarthy. It felt like they were trying to get J.J. McCarthy like a, like a, hot, you know, a highlight moment type of game. And they got off of what they should have been doing the entire time instead of just running the ball. And again, and then they finally do the drive in the fourth quarter where, oh my God, instead of handing off on first down, they did play action and they hit Loveland on the play that they probably ran eight times in the last two games. And that was the first time they actually finally hit it. It was a really nice throw for a really nice pickup. Then they did the same play to Roman Wilson that they scored the touchdown on against Alabama last week. Another nice, you know, he picked up another 15 yards and yeah. Why they just get away from that when it's working really well for them, I don't know. But we were chip, we were asked on HQ at halftime. Like, <laughs> Joe Musso what adjustments asked me, need to go in a shout yeah. out. Like it was it was a good question to ask, 100 percent But he asked me, he's like, What defensive adjustments do Michigan need to make? And I said, None. They just need to start running the damn ball on offense. And that was basically all that. Yeah, it's I, I thought defensively they were brilliant. I think that you could shut that Washington offense down like that. You're doing a great job. And I felt like offensively they were their own worst enemy. I also think Washington did a very good job adjusting, especially mm. with its run fits and getting into the lanes and closing that up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was like I thought some of the passing for Michigan was because they were anticipating certain things from Washington as a response to the success that Michigan was having. And then – Washington just kind of stayed at defensively, sort of didn't do the things that Michigan anticipated on the next snap. And so it was like, that's actually a pretty good time to call a shot play. And like that screen, I definitely see what Michigan was doing. They just didn't get the look that they thought they were going to get from Washington. Like Washington did a pretty good job of anticipating what Michigan thought that Washington was going to do. The sort of like totally inception this thing. So... <clears throat> I'm going to pull up a joke, then we're going to hit a break because the joke is disrespectful to somebody that just won a national championship. But it's a funny joke, right? Is it about these glasses that Jim's wearing? No, it's it's our, our friend Mike from the Cover 3 tailgate who called him Jag Jag McCarthy. Mean. <laughs> mean. <laughs> and As Bears just, fans, if they draft McCarthy this year, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed, I think. As, but, as a Bears fan. As, as the preeminent Bears fan here on this show. Okay. But Bud and I are diving into Caleb Williams and Drake May tape. We're getting ready for the draft. We got to find out what our future is. <laughs> Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, more of our takeaways, including Michigan as the national champion of this season. What does it mean moving forward? And how does it encompass this in crazy season? And what's ahead for Washington as they make the move to the Big Ten? And before we get out of here, who's winning it? Next year, we've got some thoughts. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Blue chip ratio lives on. Michigan was at 53%. So uh, we get uh, we get another year. It was a little bit of a 2016 to 2018 type, like just getting across the the finish line. But blue chip ratio lives on. Uh, so we're uh, you know we're, we're we're happy to see that. But I'll tell you what, I'm I I would feel satisfied Washington as a worthy national champion, not only being undefeated, not only being Pac-12 champs, but a team that we had identified. You know, I know at CBS Sports. We had Washington up at number two in the country, I think after the Oregon win in our CBS Sports 133. We had acknowledged this Huskies team as one of the best in the country for a while. They went through the midseason dip after the Oregon game, got jumped by a few other teams. But we're going to look, I think that history will look back on this Michigan team and there will be a lot of stuff, you know, stuff associated with it. But we look at the run and we're going to say like, well, they got there. They got embarrassed by Georgia. They got back and they lost a game to TCU by one score where they, they threw two pick sixes. And it finally took this step and beating Alabama and getting there. I feel, Tom, I feel like we have a worthy champion for this season. I feel like this has been a team they were one of the most dominant teams in terms of like forget. This is a great example for forget strength of schedule. It's about like how you play against the teams you are scheduled to play. They beat the brakes off everybody, and they still showed that consistency uh, all the way to the end with enough plays. Not a great national championship game performance, but enough plays to be able to get the job done. I feel like when the history books look back at this season. Michigan as this season's national championship and national champion, excuse me, feels appropriate. Yeah, they were uh, the most dominant team of the regular season from start to finish. Like Georgia, I think at full strength, Georgia's better than Michigan. But I think that as far as performance this year, Georgia early in the season was messing around a lot. And I think that that kind of kind of caught up to him in the SEC championship game, honestly, whereas Michigan really just – from the very first start in the very first game, they just mashed teams all season long. And then they get to the end of the year when the schedule actually got difficult. 
And the idea, the confidence that they built up in the fact that they knew what they could do to teams, I think, helped get them through those games. And then it helped get them through the playoff because this is a team that, like you mentioned, the playoff failures of the last two years. This was the mission. Yeah, They, they didn't come back just to win the Big Ten and beat Ohio State again. They came back with the intent of winning a national title. So they had that mindset all year. They didn't take any games off. They came in. They played as hard as they could. They didn't play great all the time, but they always played hard. And in the end, they're national champions because it because of it, and they deserve it. And I mean, yeah, that's. I don't know how much else there really is to say about it other than that. No, I think we may look back upon this and be like, this was not like one of the best teams of the playoff era, mm-hmm. probably because of the lack of like the the high end passing game. But you know, one of the things I, I increasingly think about college football now is we, we may be uh, – we, we talk about a lack of parity in terms of you know, maybe between team like 15 and 60, right? Like th- there may be like more teams pulling away from the pack. But I do think the very top uh, may be coming down to like the rest of the real, real good teams ever so slightly, maybe more frequently. I don't know about every year. I, I will not rule out the idea that we'll have a super team – Again, maybe even as soon as next year, who knows? But I think in this era, it is tougher uh, to keep really good depth. And so I wonder if, like, you know, the teams of the next decade, maybe like the best teams we have aren't quite as good as as when you could keep all that elite depth on your roster. It's just something I've been not to blow show content, you know, coming up, uh, but just something I was kicking around today with a bunch of guys, like. Yeah, I don't think that like the best teams in college football are going to be quite as good as like the best teams from like a decade ago because of how like you just can't keep that many awesome players on your roster at one time. Oh no, there's going to be another monster. We just never had a monster this season, and I think mm-hmm. we knew that we agree. didn't have a monster yes. this season. Yeah, I think like, nobody we, was more than a thirty. We, uh, power we knew, type thing. Yeah, we knew that among the top six teams, nobody was way ahead of everybody else. And the final margin on the scoreboard doesn't have me thinking differently about that. Michigan finishing on top of the heap. Sure. Like sounds right. Like I said, a fitting champion for this season based on the way they played and based on who else was there. There will be another monster. And like you said, it might be next year, Illinois, but it, we didn't identify that team at any point during the season. You know, we talked about how many times number one was up for debate all throughout the year. So yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I definitely am with you that we might be seeing more teams up into that top tier, but there will be a season where you've got quarterback right, you've got yeah. enough guys that you've got enough defensive, you got enough trench players that are back, you've got one to two really special skill players. Even in the 12-team playoff era, I think that we're going to see a monster. Good on Michigan for getting the job done. Because you know what? There are a lot of seasons where college football programs look back and be like, man, we could have beaten them. Man, you know, Georgia's saying that right now. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia watched this football game, and they were like, damn. They, they, don't, they don't post your final SP plus rating on the banner they hang. Right. Ohio State still hangs the banner for the Craig Krenzel national title team. You know, if, if you win every game by one, you still win them. And like if you're Michigan, awesome for them, man. Like they created a lot of their own adversity. Right. Like you don't get the credit for overcoming the adversity 
that you've created. But um, you know, to get <laughs> your thoughts right. outright, let's go into the fun stuff. Does Connor Stallions get a ring? He better. He better. He will get a better. ring, but not from the school. I think. Yeah. Right. Like Michigan's too administratively, I think, too buttoned up to give him a ring. But I. But somebody will will pony up the cash. To get him, Jim will buy him a ring. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. For, forget somebody like buying it on eBay. Like, there's going to be an extra ring put in for a Not towel for boy, and that towel boy's <laughs> ring is going to Connor Stallions. Towel boy named Sonner Callions. Sonner Um, and you know, I right, let's. I mean, I need. I feel like we need to address all the different things that are going through the mind of a fan who watched this game. Did you think the officiating was bad? Our our good friend Kevin Clark had an amazing commentary on this. <laughs> but um, did you think that the whole the non holding calls on Michigan's offensive line, especially compared to some brutal, brutally timed holding calls on Washington, do you think that there was a disparity there? No. Washington was doing the same holding Michigan was. It was pretty clear. Unless you tackled the guy, they weren't calling holding. And that's, in my opinion, the way you should call holding. Unless they beat you and you tackle them, which is what happened on the one big connection. He held on to his, like, right here under his chest, maybe even his face mask a little bit, and pulled him down. That's a hold, guys. It's like, it's not a conspiracy against you. Stop bitching about refs all the damn time. It was football. There were five penalties on Michigan. There were five penalties on Washington. This was an ACC crew? Oh, yeah. No. And you know what I said before the game? This is the crew that did FSU Louisville, right? Oh, everybody that celebrated Florida State and getting left out, you had no idea what you were in for because the conference that is left out of the college football playoff is guaranteed the national championship game. So we had a lot of Pac-12 refs in the national championship game over the years in the college football playoff era, but – you were like, ah ha ha, yeah, yeah, FSU in your face. And you know what happens? Now you get the ACC crew. So congratulations. I hope you enjoyed it because this is what you get. Well, I, I was curious. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what game that I, I recall that these guys did in the ACC because it's not uh, – maybe it's – is this like an all-star crew from, from the ACC? I, I would I would hope. I mean, please don't tell me it was somebody who only worked like two games. I'll just national I'll just, championship. Anyway, I'll just, so I'll just uh, say I'll, this: it, inhale all the copium you need if it helps you get through the day. Yeah, it, it's not Washington averaged four point two yards per play and lost by twenty one. They didn't lose the damn game because of a phantom holding that wasn't called. You got the shit kicked right. out of you for six. Yeah, minutes. They, that's why you they had two hundred thirty seven yards at, at when, when Michigan was up two scores in the ball yeah. with like five minutes left. Like that they had like a hundred yards in, in pseudo garbage time close to the end uh, uh, Michigan. Like, do I think Michigan is actually three touchdowns better than Washington? No, no, but it's hard to think that on a physicality basis that it plays out drastically different than this. If they played it, you know, a, a couple more times. Um, and tonight they were. If you want to uh, break games down by how bad the officiating was, go watch the NFL because that's literally all NFL analysis is these days. Don't bring that in. Enjoy it. That's what happens after now. Or you can stick with the Cover 3 podcast. So uh, Kevin, who is a subscriber and listener of the Cover 3 podcast, big fan of the show, he said, I watch a lot of games officiated by ACC refs and they are not capable of conspiracy or showing favor. 
They are just sort of winging it and barely know the rules. <laughs> so I, I uh, as a guy that watches a lot of ACC, and Kevin is not totally wrong, I actually don't think that the calls that the refs, refs in ACC make and don't make are necessarily that egregious. I do think at times the administration of like how they get in and out, in and out of replay and like how they mm-hmm. announce some of this stuff, it is sort of at times kind of clown showy. Like, it, but it's not full Pac-12. And I think the Big 12 actually has worse refs in the ACC as well at times. Yes. Um, I, think, I think Big 10 refs are probably the best for me. Maybe SEC. I think just anecdotally watching from what I tell, the Pac-12 refs are the worst overall. Yes. clear Among the Power Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big 12 yeah. is behind them as the next worst. Then I would go ACC, SEC, and Big 10. I, I think I agree. Yeah. But to your point, Tom, five five penalties for each team. When we look at the when we look at the final thing, everything comes out in the wash. One of these teams, as you said, was unsuccessful on offense, and that was because the MVP is the Michigan defense of this national championship. Game. And also, just another comment because there's like comments in the comments about like you know Michigan defensive backs holding. Washington threw the ball 51 times. Michigan threw it 18. They're all holding. It's just one team threw it four times as often as the other. Mm. Coming up on the other side, final bow on tonight's national championship game and way too early top 25. We'll do that a little bit later, but who do we think might be in the mix for the national championship? Our way too early national title picks for next season. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. A lot of time to get into uh, some of the, you know, more extended conversations. Looks like uh, Quinshot Junkins tried to steal the spotlight from Michigan with a uh, commitment to Ohio State. As, As the clock hit zero, right? That's incredible. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, 
Tom, any, any anything else we haven't really dug into here? Let's see. Uh, Michigan. Uh, oh yeah, JJ McCarthy, best quarterback in Michigan history? Question mark. Penix was off. Wide receivers for both teams had drops. No missed tackles. Michigan's defense was respect. I feel like my notepad is like. I feel like we've hit most of it. Any anything that we haven't really gotten into? Uh, Kyle McCord played better against Michigan than Michael Penix did, but mm. just want to point that out. He has <laughs> tackling tackling disparity. Um, yeah, I, I thought the, the point I was going to make before we hit the break was like I wanted to expand on what Tom said was like Michigan's offense wasn't great, but its flaw was that it didn't turn yards into points mm-hmm. and they stalled out. Washington's offense just got like shut down. There is a difference. Like Michigan would consistently flip field position. Although Washington's punter with some of those line drive punts that just took amazing hops was uh he's ready. Pretty fortuitous. He's ready yeah. for the big. You like those punts, the knuckleballs? Um, I sure as hell don't want to try to catch them. I think I, I prefer the majestic hanger that allows my coverage to get down there. But if if you can't if you can't do that, I'll take it if you can pull it off consistently. But yeah. You ever caught a punt? It's hard. Like, it's very like, hard. Yeah. Especially if it's at the end of practice and like your team's got to run laps if you don't catch it and you got all that pressure on you, it's even harder. So uh, this shout out to uh, Cole Kublik, friend of uh, friend of the Cover Three podcast. He hit me with this uh, this little bit of trivia on the spot, and I'm gonna throw it to you. So Xavier Worthy was third in the nation in punt return yards this season. Can you guess how many punt return yards? Two. Two twenty. Yeah. What's the question for for worthy? Yeah. They don't return uh, punts anymore. That was the Hold point. On. That was the point he yeah. was trying to expose. Is like so. Xavier Worthy is third of the nation. He's at he after uh, also having the semifinal. He's up to three seventy one, but he was down in the two hundreds. Fourth uh, in the nation is two twenty two. But yes, you're uh, you're you're on it, Tom. Yeah. Punt returns are just not a thing anymore. That's one of the things analytics has gotten rid of. It's just not worth it. Too many. It's too. The risk is too great. You just rather take the field position. You'd rather lose ten yards than lose the ball. And the Aussies have have ruined it. Yeah, like they're well, just too good at punting. And then that's what I'm saying. Like the <laughs> the, you, indu- the Aussie knuckle- industrial punter complex. You've got these knuckleballs. You've got the coffin corner. Like you've basically like built. They're out in the southern hemisphere, so the ball spins differently. It's very yeah. <laughs> Tom, I'm so proud of Bud. That sounds like some of the nonsense that we would say. <laughs> All right. For the We've reason why him. all season he's got so you, trying he's got to make it on the other hemisphere. Yeah. Tom laughed because then he coughed, you know. So I'm um, trying to play he's this what? show straight. Help, 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 help our sick colleague out. And Chip's just ripping so many jokes here. Tom, <laughs> Bud Tom got laugh, Chip. Laugh Bud got Chip taking first half unders. Chip's got Bud talking punter jokes. It's this is what the show is all about. So the show's all about. No, and, and also the hemisphere that the Earth is tilted, and so the ball spins differently. Like it's Michael just, Penix's throwing motion. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Aussie industrial <laughs> complex has ruined punt returns. That's an off-season show that we've got <laughs> locked in for a Wednesday in June. Let me <laughs> buckle up. We'll get Brad Wing on here talk about how he was patient zero for all that. Um, all right. So look, I, Tom, this has been a a hot debate. I do think a lot of this Michigan team is gone. I think a lot of them will leave. I just think that they've got plenty coming back too. I think 
Like we talk about Jim Harbaugh, I I don't know if Jesse Minner will be back. I think Jesse Minner will be in the NFL, especially if Mike. McCarthy. Oh, I thought you were going to say at Alabama. Oh, maybe, but I, I Michigan. Kevin, Kevin Steele also yeah. retired today. That's another little note there. I think if the Ravens DC, who is the former Michigan DC, gets a crack at a head coaching job somewhere, then the Ravens Jimmy Johnny Harbaugh is going to come and take Jesse Minner back to run his defense in Baltimore. So. We'll see how that goes out. Like, I, th- I think there's definitely going to be turnover. I still think they're going to be a talented team, though. I need to pull up the roster to think, like, who goes pro. Mason Graham's back, right? I don't think he can go pro, right? Yeah, I thought he's only he's a sophomore, pro. right? Isn't he a true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Michigan doesn't do the depth chart, right? Even for the Natty. No. no it's I stopped so looking for Michigan's depth chart. Yeah, it's a pain. Who's got a Michigan depth chart? Nobody. <laughs> Probably the chat. Uh, but they do They do have to post a roster by rule. So, Well, the flip card should have. Oh, here we go, baby. Do you have a flip card? I've got a flip card. There we go. Nice. Flip card from today's Cards. game. All right. Go. So who do we think? Chad know what a flip card is? It might be like two inside baseball. Is it? No way. All right, Chad, do you know what a flip card is? Zoom, 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 zoom. All right, so we've got on the offense depth chart. So we are, like Tom, you mentioned, two of the, both the offensive linemen who are injured, we expect are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor Keegan's gone. Drake Nugent's gone. Barnhart gone? Maybe Blake Corum gone. Yeah. JJ McCarthy maybe. Maybe some hard maybe on that. Uh Roman Wilson. I think that's gone. Yeah. Cornelius Johnson. Cornelius Johnson. I don't know. If he'd have caught that pass, he'd be gone. But he dropped it, so he's got to stay. Uh, Those are the rules. Oh man, he had two bad drops. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, it's tough. All right, so we said Mason Graham, uh, but Grant Jenkins gone, gone. Right? Yeah, I expect so if they're eligible. But I don't know, man. NIL, it is a uh, is a powerful. He force. raised three million for the keep them there fund or, or mm-hmm. uh, keep the guys home, whatever the Michigan, whatever your fund is, is called. Grant a true? Hold on, let me let me get over to the Mason roster. Graham, I'm pretty sure is a true sophomore. No, I didn't say Graham. I said Grant. It, Graham it, or Grant? All right. So Grant is Kenneth Grant. Oh, come on, man. Sorry. Gonna have to jump. Up. No, this not great, you. This is great podcast. But I know. Yeah, he, he is a non-existent depth chart. Man, Kenneth Grant's a true sophomore too. Yeah, yeah. I think they're still going to be really, really good yeah. on defense. Actually, yeah, they're going to be just fine. The offense will be the question, but the offense, I think what they're probably going to do is run the Flip ball. Flip it, Michigan's going to win it again. No, I think then Georgia Michigan, wins Michigan's going to win the national championship again. Grant and Graham are so good. <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be incredible on defense because I think Will Johnson might be back too, right? I don't yeah, know. Will Johnson's true sophomore. So, yeah, you've yeah, got Grant, yeah. Graham, and Johnson all back. That's Sob's three back. hell of a place to start. <clears throat> Sab's back, yeah. They're going to be fine on defense again. Just how good will they be on offense? Donovan Edwards could go pro. Yeah. 
Good. But he could also, if he's going to be a mid-round pick, Michigan might make it worth his while to stay and be the featured back. So this is why Tom wasn't ready to buy. Like Michigan's not going to win the Big Ten next year. They got dudes coming back. They're losing dudes, but they got dudes coming back. Mm. Okay, so who who would be your uh, your title pick next season, Bud? Georgia. Um, I think they return the best quarterback of all the what we would consider like immediate contenders out there, and just from some chatter here, it sounds like. Dumas Johnson was going to get Wally Pitt. Like he got dinged up, and then they're like, oh, CJ Allen is an absolute, like, you know, future 10 year pro type thing. And Wilson's coming along. It it seems like Georgia got the right guys to not declare, mm-hmm. and they have the quarterback coming back. And uh, so I would, uh, I would pick Georgia. I would also pick Georgia. And then the question is, if Michigan's title gets vacated, is it a three-peat for Georgia? No. Well, is it a four-peat if Georgia wins next year? I mean, that's... <laughs> oh. Georgia's schedule is certainly tough. Um, but this is, as the chat's pointing out, but this is a good example of we need to consider things slightly differently in the 12-team um, era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, who would you have? Who like what non? Do you feel like like a very strong feeling about a not? If Chip's answer is Georgia, do you have a strong feeling about a non-Georgia team? I I mean, like right now in the moment, the idea of an angry Ohio State just like with loading up and trying to do everything it can, uh, dog backed in the corner desperation like desperation day like <laughs> desperation yeah. day De- I, I desperation ne- day three I, I desperation day part three I have never in I mean I I, I have I don't have the the Dodd fathers like <clears throat> track record but I've never in my career of covering college football, seen a 56 and eight coach with more desperation than Ryan Day will have <laughs> next year. I mean, I, I'd be happy. I'd, I'd like Ohio state to get back to being badass Ohio state. I'm just skeptical that it'll be badass Ohio state. I think the more I'm badass really teams skeptical have, about better. the defense. I, I think mm-hmm. the defense will be pretty on point. Texas. Um, I does that defense be really good. Be as good? Like if Arch lives up to being Arch Manning, then yeah. I mean, I think they'll be in the hunt. I just don't know if I'm ready to proclaim them a title team yet. But at the same time, we you mentioned Dodd. I don't know if it was Dennis's we saw, but Adams posted in our Slack today like a two early top twenty five. You know who's at number six? Arizona. Yeah. And I what? love Arizona. I know. That's what I said. I've been hyping it's Arizona Oslo's? up. Yeah. I don't know if it was Dodd or Adam. I don't know whose it was. Uh, sorry. I just that was from one of our one of our company. Okay, got it. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anything this, can happen. All lists hey. are valid in January. Like I didn't have Washington <laughs> yes. in my top twenty five list. No, his right. I was like, I love Arizona. I had I've been hyping that team up all year, but six? So they bring back like eighteen starters from this yeah. year. They just lost their defensive coordinator, you know, mm-hmm. notable. Uh, their defense is very good this year. 
but they do bring back like eight something around the number of 18 starters. That number might be off, but not by a lot. And they are in the big 12. And the way that I understand it is that the crux of the position is that they are one of the big 12 favorites. And that if you are one of the favorites to win the big 12, you're going to end up with 10, 11 wins. And so a preseason top 10 ranking, if you believe that Arizona is the big 12 favorite, Sure, I'll take that. Yeah, it also is very possible the Big 12 champion has like nine wins. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess 10 and three because the, 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 the conference championship game. Um, what about Oregon? Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I think you have to put Oregon up there. So I don't even love Dylan Gabriel, but he's, he's a competent college quarterback who's like 100 years old and knows what he's doing. Uh, and their the roster's rapidly improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is it crazy to think that Penn State takes a leap? Yes. Yes. It's okay. they're they're kind of post type sleeper status, right? Andy Kotelnicki. Yeah. Like. No, 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 no. It's they got, they got a lot of hype this year. I. You've sold me the offensive coordinator change so many times. This is different, sure. Chip. This time it. This time he's gonna change. <laughs> this time he's gonna change. I promise. <laughs> he promised he won't go half. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe that it is crazy to believe that this is the year they make the leap because the neighborhood at the top is getting tougher. And I don't know, man. You might have missed your window to do the big, big stuff. I mean, Penn State will make playoffs, but yeah. I'll throw another one out there at you. Alabama. Nah, they suck. No, like, I mean, if it's not insane to think, like, is, is it likely that Jalen Milrow takes enough of a step as a passer that they can get it done? I don't know if it's likely, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility that he improves a lot as a passer. Second year as a starter, more comfort in the offense, maybe the offense even more tailored to him with the full off season of committing, you know, to him being the quarterback as opposed to last year when you went out and got a guy who's now playing lacrosse because you were so not sold on what he was. I, this is fun. I like the fact that there are so many teams that we can't rule out. Yeah. Now, if Georgia just plays so damn well that it's a foregone conclusion, all right, you still got to go win three tough games in a row. What does Washington look like next year? Not as good as this year. Mm. I think that's a team that has to replace a lot, and I don't think that they are roster-wise at a place to where you can expect them just to reload. Now, coaching-wise, I think they have a strong enough staff to where they're going to win more games than they lose, but they're not going to – I don't think they're making the playoff next year. I don't think they're competing for a Big Ten title. I think they're just going to be like an 8-4 and kind of team. I mean, What's their I, schedule? No disrespect, even though it's going to be disrespect and sound like disrespect. You're going from Michael Penix to Will Rogers. And I think Will Rogers is good in a certain offense. I do not think that Will Rogers is a difference maker. Well, let's do the other uh, game. All right. Le- left tackle of Atanu, I'm guessing, is gone. He's a gone. true junior. Kalepo, the guard, probably stays. The center is a retro freshman. He can't go. 
the right guard's a sophomore. He can't go. Right tackle's also a sophomore, but he might be a nah, be so, so, I don't think he's going pro. That's Raj, right? Rosengarten? Yeah. Yeah, Rosengarten's, so, I think, is true sophomore. I mean, you're starting from a place of bringing back likely four <clears> of <throat> your five offensive linemen from the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, right? But we saw um, what happened to that line tonight. That is true. You do lose both tight ends, uh, Culp and Westover, unless one of them has a, a COVID year, which is possible. You lose Penix. You lose... The Dunes, eh? Jalen Polk has got to be a redshirt sophomore, right? I think Polk is gone. I think There's McMillan's no way gone. true sophomore. Because yeah. like, he was... I think he was a, going into his senior year in high school in 2020. So that would be 21, 20. Yeah. So, okay. You're losing Trice. You're losing Edifon. You're probably... Is McMillan going pro? For sure, uh, not for he's sure. Not banged up. He's probably like a later round draft pick. Like he, he might be like if I come back and I'm the number one, that could really improve his stock. So maybe he comes back, and maybe Polk plays the Odunze role. Although Polk could easily go pro too. Uh, that's a large part of it. I mean, teams have to play you in a two deep shell because they're scared like crazy of your receivers. If you lose all three of those receivers and both tight ends um, and your quarterback, that's going to be difficult. All right, Polk defensively, is a shirt sophomore. Adunze and McMillan are both true juniors. Polk is a redshirt sophomore. Well, Dunze is gone, gone. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I was wrong about Raj. Rosengarten is a redshirt sophomore. I don't think. I still think he's coming back. I would say he's probably coming back. All right. Trice is gone. Um, Edifon's gone. The entire entire defensive front and and, and the one good linebacker, uh, Olafashio, those are all seniors. And then the secondary, just the safeties are seniors. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that is a materially different team next year. I don't know. We'll see. I, like you said, Tom, I am buying into this staff and this program, as long as they are intact, mm-hmm. as a very, very high floor. I'm not changing that opinion based on the result of, a, of the final score here because, like we said earlier, after that start, I thought Washington's adjustments defensively were pretty good. I thought that they did a good job of being able to try as best they could to get themselves back into the game. But it was not going to be enough, not against this elite Michigan defense, a defense that had been elite all season. Does Kalen DeBoer get off the bus and win eight games? Probably. But if we're talking about getting back to this level, 14 wins, playing for a national championship, that's probably going to take another special talent like Michael Penix. Um, yeah. You know, like a, another special wide receiver room, like the group that you have right here. So we'll uh, we'll see what it looks like. And we will be excited, of course, to, to look at that new Big Ten with Washington, with Oregon, with USC, with UCLA, uh, all joining the fold in 2024. All right, one final thing, just because uh, I feel like we need to get it on. Jim Harbaugh, NFL, Jim Harbaugh, NFL, coaching rumors, Jim Harbaugh, interview, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan future, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan contract. Let's SEO this all the way up. Did Jim Harbaugh just coach his last game for the Michigan Wolverines? Predictions. I'm not asking for a source report. Yes. I have no damn idea. I don't even think he knows yet. I asked for a prediction. I did not ask for a sourced report. 
No. Okay. I'm saying prediction. Yes. I think that's it. I think we'll, uh, do they get to four? No. Okay. I would say that. Oh man. Kalen DeBoer ain't no Kevin Durant. I got the joke. NBA. He's not gonna he's not gonna join the team and just beat him. Got it. Look yeah. Yeah. Look at all that growth. Yeah. No, um, he's growing up before our eyes. I know, it's amazing. Did we do, did we do the soccer thing today live on the air or did we do uh what was no. the pre show? That was, was post game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you guys so, all missed it. Bud was hitting us all these facts about Killian Mbappe. <laughs> PSG and the, the, the prohibitiveness of the transfer fee, but like also like our, <laughs> our, our the premiership teams in, in France really truly as intense as they are in like England or, or Spain. Uh, hey, yeah. hey how, how about this? Bud, you know what PSG stands for? Paying something goals. I don't know. Paris Saint Germain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, Love it. Uh, yeah. No. Give, give so, me if if we're just making predictions and we're for just like friends at the you know uh, all all like bar bets. I think the Harbaugh's of the NFL. Who knows where he lands? I'm not plugged into that. Follow Jonathan Jones and CBS Sports as always for all that information. But I would believe that Sharon Moore probably ends up getting the. Getting the nod. What odds would you give me that a four-way parlay? None of the playoff coaches are at their current school next year. Where's Sark? Would you give me like five hundred to one? No, because Sark's there. So you would not give me five hundred to one. No, I, I just wouldn't take action on it. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I'll give you five hundred five hundred to one, but a dollar max bet. <laughs> Deal. I will take that. Let's go. I, I think I think that Kalen DeBoer and Steve Sarkeesian are back at their schools for the start of the 2024 season. I am tempted to turn Twitter notifications on for a prominent SEC writer who seems to have a lot of the stories of Jimmy Sexton's clients turned on just in case something pops. Uh, but rehab stories too. Uh, not like that they're in rehab, like the career rehab, like the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, I just so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I I feel like that's where it's going to come from. I feel like that's going to be the first place that we hear it. Yeah. But for right now, I'll say Saban's back next year. If you were to ask me, I think Jim Harbaugh's in the NFL, and that's just making predictions. That is not source reporting, just predictions. Here in here as we get to the, uh, uh, you're still y'all are still in Central Time, but. Mm. As, as we yes. cross midnight here on the East Coast. I hate this time zone for watching games. It's a great time zone. It's the best time zone out there, in my opinion. All right, so what Mountain else? is okay, too. A- anything else as we unload the clip? Uh, Illinois is going 10-2 next year. Buy stock now. Wait. I need to do more research on that one. Let's... Uh... <laughs> just saying of, of the three of the three programs on this show that are represented illinois will have the best record of the three 
Broughton what High odds will you so give far? me on that one? <laughs> Illinois having a better record than Florida State and North Carolina. What kind of odds can I get? That's a good question. Um, Florida State and North Carolina? Yeah, those seven and five-ass teams. <laughs> you could probably get like four to one. Actually, you know, if, if it's so, Jay in the tailgate said, "Where's the ACC love? No FSU, Clemson, Miami hype next year." Uh, let's address these one by one. I believe that Clemson will be a very good football team. I continue to think that we cannot push them into the echelon that you got used to putting them in during that run where they were competing for national championships because they are still lacking. They are they have an incredibly high floor and they have enough talent especially on the defensive side of the football that I do think they're going to be flirting with double digit wins. I think that they will need fortunate breaks or someone to emerge or Cade Klubnick to take a huge leap for me to jump them into that next category. Florida State, brand new team. Miami is going to trot out Albany's quarterback. Right, and that's oh, that that's where I'm changing on yeah. Miami. Yes, I'm officially changing my position on Miami. I thought Miami was either going to be able to tamper with the Memphis quarterback or to up the bag enough to get Cam Ward to decide he wants to play college football, and instead they took the kid from Albany. So I guess it's like the kid from Albany or maybe see if Talia can get the seventh year right. of eligibility. And if it's just the kid from Albany – I am reducing – I think I had Miami 14th in my preseason. I'm going to have to drop them down something starting with a two. But I do think Miami is the most – like line of scrimmage-wise, I think they are the class of the league. Like I think they have the like the, the ability to bully people. But not not enough difference makers. You've got to have a quarterback. I mean, that's kind of the way the ACC looks next year. Yeah, there's like seven teams that I think you could make an actual argument for winning the ACC. Yeah, and and none of them have that. None of them have four to five difference makers on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Totally. I mean, granted, there's a lot of college football teams that might say they don't have four to five difference makers on offense, but looking across the ACC, you don't you don't have that like high end right now. The way that I see it, could develop a lot of time between now and then. But I think that that's why they didn't uh, get mentioned to address uh, the question from the Cover Three tailgate. Um, also, you how much play NIL money will they have after they pay for their buyouts? So true. You want to play a really insane game? Sure. Do I? I'll go get the All knife. Right. Hold on. Stop me if this team cannot win the Big Twelve next year. West Virginia. Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State. Stop. So Iowa State cannot win the Big 12? Turning one of the better quarterbacks in the league. They bring back a lot on defense. I'll tell you my answer. I ain't saying stop. That's why the Big 12 is going to be freaking awesome. UCF, I think they're probably actually. I would I take UC, I would take UCF over Iowa State. I mean, they got KJ now. That team is going to be a pain in the ass. Arizona, yeah. Utah, mm-hmm. Um, Colorado. 
Stop. Stop. Yeah. Um, I think like two thirds of the Big Twelve teams could conceivably win the Big Twelve. I think they could all win the Big Twelve, except for maybe Cincinnati. But you know how it's going to go. Think Baylor can. Like we're going to Arizona get- State. I definitely don't think can. That's probably a year away. BYU, I'm skeptical of. I think that this year provides the perfect example. What you're describing is a whole conference full of Oklahoma States. Oklahoma yeah, State exactly. won awesome. 10 games this year, and you looked at their power rating, and they were outside of the top 30. But you know what? They had the win over Kansas State, the win over Kansas, the win over Oklahoma. They just went bing, bang, boom in the right games they needed in an bloated conference. They got the right draw. And now all of a sudden you're at the top of the standings. So the Big 12 is now all Oklahoma states. So who can win those one score games against the other teams that are also competing for the conference championship? Congratulations, you've made it to Dallas, but you said win the Big 12. And that's where I think I need that other piece of knowing that you've got the quality, not just to take advantage of your draw, but then to go and also win it because... That's where Oklahoma State obviously got a little bit exposed uh, against Texas. The Big 12 is the Mac with talent. Ooh. There are more teams that can win the Big 12 than can win the Mac. Mm. That's fair. The last few years, that is true, but I mean the traditional Mac where. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Where you go from worst to first. When there used to be coaching turnover every year, like that's what the Big 12 is now. Before Chuck Martin came in and started running y'all fools, showing you who's who and what's what. Oh Before the Power Five conferences started making too much damn money. All right. So uh, we will be back with you on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Got a couple things cooking right now. We obviously might have a ma- any number of massive news stories that we might need to tackle to get into. Uh, but it is an important reminder for all of you that are listening that – We head into this time of the year, that mailbag, oh, it is open for business. So jump on in. Give us a five-star review. In that review, you put your mailbag question. We'll tackle it in a future mailbag episode. You can also hit us up on Twitter, slide up in the DMs if they are open. I I actually got a, I've had a a couple emails that I've got starred that I want to break out for some conversation topics. Uh, Always fun to be able to take this time when the action on the field does slow down to be able to start that conversation with all y'all and uh, make it more interactive because that's what the Cover 3 podcast is all about. We appreciate sincerely all of y'all for rocking with us all through the season. It was an incredible season. Um, the, The last of an era, college football will look different when we kick it back off again in the fall of 2024 and uh we'll be right there we'll be going into the the great unknown together cover three podcast and y'all in the cover three tailgate um anything else do we get an emergency show tomorrow i'll be sleeping did we lose chip we might i I like this look from chip just like pointing with the pen it's like it's a new year new more assertive chip oh no slow motion we're good I think uh, I think Jim Harbaugh tried to push the button on me. Do I, do I think it's tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow won't be Harbaugh. I, I I I genuinely believe he has not started the process yet. I think he's open to everything. 
DTF. He's DT. He's DTI. Down to interview. Down to find out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> DTF means down to find out for those of you. For all the kids know. listening. Yeah, for all the kids listening, DTF is down to find out. That is what Jim Harbaugh is. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm on. I'll be around if we if we need it. We got some gnarly storms rolling through North Carolina a little bit later in the afternoon, but you know, I'll be here. I will be in bed. That means we got gnarly storms rolling through here too. Okay. Good luck. (laughs) Oh man. Appreciate all y'all. Thanks everybody for rocking with us again. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines 34 to 13 winners. That is a win for the under. That is a win for Michigan against the spread. And like we mentioned earlier, lots of prop winners. If you tuned in to our Monday 11 a.m. show. And you can follow him on Twitter at BuddyLate3. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.